your word to put faith in your word to believe you Lord and to declare you as Lord of our lives we declare Jesus as Lord he's Lord of all he's Lord of our lives and he's Lord of our futures so we thank you Jesus for putting uh, this heart to love you inside of us you've given us a new heart a new spirit a new outlook and we thank you for that Lord in Jesus name amen praise God amen 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 so I thought we'd talk some about trust. Uh, trust which is the ultimate in grace. And trust in God which is the ultimate in grace. Whenever you place your trust in God, you receive something back. Your trust is an investment in Him. And He certainly increases and repays and blesses that investment so never put your treat your faith lightly and never <coughs> treat trust lightly but when you put your trust in the lord you receive the ultimate in grace in him uh, and grace we know is the divine influence in the heart on the heart it's unmerited favor it really is an endowment of god's spirit <coughs> in our lives And so when we uh, trust God, he repays us with part of himself. He repays us with part of himself. And so this grace, which is the ultimate, when we put our total trust in him, we receive the ultimate in grace. So uh, Proverbs 3 and verse 5 tells us to trust in the Lord with all of our heart and lean not to our own understanding. And when we put our trust in God we refuse to trust ourselves. So this full investment in God gains us a return from him. And it gains us much grace in him. Uh, I know there's a lot of teaching on grace recently and and, uh, I think it's a good thing uh, but we have to understand how it works and and, uh, what does it really mean on a day-to-day basis what do you what do you mean when you say grace the divine influence on your heart means that you're no longer working against God but you're working with him when God is is when he's when you have made friends with God you're not working against him anymore you're working with him and he is your friend he is not your enemy you got me so that division that partition that uh, uh, resistance between us and God is gone and we can work together with him we can co-labor with him we can partner with him but we must understand that he is always in authority he is the lead he calls the shots and we then in turn by putting our trust in him we go along as sheep being led by a shepherd that's one analogy that there is in the word that we follow the Lord Uh, when you trust someone you can follow them and you can obey their instructions so that's that's pretty standard for trust Uh, when they tell you something you don't try to pick it apart and wonder if it's right or wrong or whatever you you go forward in it with a confidence uh, based on what you know about them 
You know, God is God. God is good. We don't have to know a lot about God to know that we can trust him. But I think at different times we we're tempted to lean to our own understanding. You know, just out of habit uh, we can do those things. But when we trust God we refuse to trust ourselves. And that puts a lot on the line for us to continue to follow God but still it works it is what God expects uh, from us so we refuse to trust ourselves works of the law then are are a reflection of trusting in ourselves when we decide that you know we need this from God and this is how we get it you know and we go about doing our little thing without putting our trust in him when you trust someone you will confide in them what you desire and so many times we we try to live our lives in God apart from him you just go about doing everything that we do and and uh, hope he's okaying it somewhere and somewhere along the line we lose contact and lose focus and we lose trust and so we have to be careful to acknowledge him the bible says in all of our ways verse 6 and he will direct our path so trusting means we're under his direction and if we acknowledge him in everything acknowledge him in all of our ways he will direct our path we're also warned not to be wise in our own eyes but fear the Lord and depart from evil so there's something evil about being wise in your own eyes there's some pride there some some arrogance some resistance to God involved in that and it says it'll be health to your inward parts it'll just that trust in God will permeate your entire being and put you at peace put you at ease put you at rest and so that's one good thing about trusting God the peace the rest and the ease that comes you can finally quit being tense about everything you can finally relax you can let some things go not that you're not somewhat concerned about them I mean if there are some things are not right in your life you want them made right but they'll only be made right if you put your confidence in God you, you got to let go of everything that you're doing to try and make it happen apart from God and put your trust in him and then sometimes you might have to to remind you might have to spank your hands several times and get your hands back off of it again and allow God to come in and, and really take over and give us understanding I remember years ago I was a little surprised to hear this person say it I think it was Tammy it was Tammy Faye Baker and she she they had kind of grown up uh, early Pentecostal type people and there a lot of legalism a lot of don't do this don't do that even though you're you're born again you know and she said that for many years she realized she didn't really trust God and she said even when she had her children she waited and waited to dedicate them to God because there was always this something in the back of her mind God's not really trustworthy you got me and so uh, and then after she really started to understand what God had in mind 
it really enhanced her ministry it enhanced her ability to be able to minister to people when she overcame that distance and that lack of trust and so you know many many of you know she pretty much took the gospel anywhere she would take it to especially they said women's prison ministry she was very strong in that and she'd take her little simple songs and sing them and lay hands on women they just weep and she'd hug them and all that kind of stuff and she was just really a, a kind of a gracious person to open people up to experience the love of God and so it, it's very very important that we overcome these resistances you know to trusting God we've got to get ourselves in a mindset of it's not up to me to do all of this stuff but it's really up to God to lead me into the success that I crave on the inside we all want success but we know that if we try and do it apart from God it's not going to work very well. So I, I thought I I was going through some stories in the Bible, and I just always have liked Abraham and and uh, his life, and you know the others too. But uh, I, I, you see progress in Abraham's life, and I guess it's because there's so much written about him. Uh, you you can follow his life for for many many years in the Word of God, and so we're going to follow his life a bit and talk about how grace was manifested in his life. Now, grace comes through faith in God. And I don't care what dispensation you're in. Uh, there was a grace that was under the law as well, but it was works of the law and the curse, and so that was frustrating for people to try and live in that sparse amount of grace that was available and so we knew the law had to be done away with that it was in Jesus Christ but see Abraham came before the law and so you will see grace abounding in him in faith so here Abraham comes to show us what a life of trusting God is all about then the law comes to show us why we can't do that Amen. And then Jesus comes as a fulfillment of the law and he does away with the ordinances that are contrary to us and does away with the curse. And so we can walk in a state of abounding grace and that's what we have now. Uh, and so, But Abraham you can see where he walked in a type of abounding grace as well. So grace really is the divine influence on the heart. It's also unearned favor it's not something that you can say I did this 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 and this and this is why God did this for me uh, it's a grace thing uh, there are some obedience factors that I think will uh, prophetic obedience sometimes that will uh, break through on certain areas but you can't go and do that over and over again and think it's going to work like <laughs> the last time so it's grace is really uh, back to trusting God it's back to a an investment of your faith and your trust in God so uh, one level in grace is the divine influence of the heart so that's an aspect of God's grace that's how it manifests in the human being and then there is the divine enablement so there's an empowerment that comes with God's influence on your heart Many of us uh, experience that when you when you have a life of prayer. God influences your heart in such a way that you feel compassion for the needs of others. And you feel, say if it's your own personal needs that you're praying for, his, his heart will, he will influence your heart in giving you hope for a good outcome when you read his word. 
And so that's a gift from God. That's not something that's just automatic. You look at all the sinners that read the word of God and don't get that grace to to believe and to have it carried out. You see what I'm saying? And so that is a divine enablement that comes to us by putting our confidence and our trust in God. And so once we put it in there, then he enables us to walk out the covenant and walk out the things that he has for us. So the divine enablement is where we expect God to empower us to work his will. Not your will, but to work his will. So when you read the word, the influence on your heart is that you receive and you accept the word. You mix that word with your faith and then it somehow becomes grafted into you. You take it with you, it becomes a part of you. And you get a prompting that enables you to carry out that word, to act out that word. And so that's the divine enablement aspect of God's grace. There's also enablement to restrain us from doing certain things and allow God to move. So an empowerment is not always some activity that we do, but it's also a restraint. See? Can definitely be a restraint. And this is where people get it mixed up with legalism. There is a godly restraint that will come to us to keep us from interfering with the will of God going forward in certain things. See? Certain times where we need to, we want to disturb some things because they don't seem to be happening soon enough. And see, you'll have a thought, you ever get a thought that maybe you ought to do something and then that thought kind of gets extinguished? That's God's grace. See, he extinguishes that thought to cause a divine restraint to come upon you. Uh, People who need help with controlling impulses to do certain things. There's a grace there that restrains you. It's a divine restraint that, that you kind of relax and settle into and you have a peace that you shouldn't move out at this time that you can do certain things and that's totally different from taste not touch not handle not totally different because this one comes from God God recognizes and you recognize that you could move out in your own power but you accept the higher authority coming in to restrain you to bring you into maybe a better timing to bring you into a, 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 a different level of grace before you move out you know sometimes we think you know sometimes when you pray uh, faith will make you feel like it's going to happen now and we all get that because uh, you know I was reading our, our daily teaching this week was faith does not wait patience does so faith makes you feel like it's right there you know, everybody's had that feeling you know it's oh it's right there I, I can expect this tomorrow it, it's coming tonight and it doesn't come and so <laughs> so that's that element of faith must be there it's an anticipation because there will come a time when it is right there and see faith never changes in the way it sees things it always sees them imminent it always sees them right there it always sees them in the present because faith is a present 
uh, confidence in something that's off in the future. It's kind of funny that way. And so then patience will move in as a divine restraint or a divine enablement to keep you in hope until that thing comes so that you don't get discouraged you don't feel empty you don't feel like you're missing anything patience kind of fulfills that void that comes because faith tells you it's there but it's not there see what I'm saying so patience steps in there to give you that fulfillment it fills that blank space so that you're able to endure you're able to understand God better. You understand timing. You understand uh, positioning. You understand a lot of things better because of patience working with faith. Faith does need helpers uh, and, and it does need uh, assistance uh, to keep it from uh, uh, from bringing disappointment into our lives. And so <clears throat> the divine enablement or the grace of God is a restraining power but it's not a flesh uh, flesh uh, generated restraint see it's a divine restraint uh, that you that you settle into you allow that to come upon you uh, so that you can understand that there are there's a wisdom here that if I if I allow God to put this restraint on me uh, then I don't have to go forward in this and, and I, I have a hope for something better because of his control his greater control in my life so Abraham received grace from God by his faith he had faith in God which was counted to him as righteousness so when you put your faith in God you receive God's righteousness he always gives you something for what you invest in him so you you exchange uh, your your um, uh, I guess you exchange your um, inability for his ability or for greater ability you know what what we trade in is small things you know it's it's usually like um, uh, Paul said his righteousness was as filthy rags you know he just he compared it to to um, human waste his life that he had before God and so once we trade put our faith in God we receive his righteousness this becomes a judgment a permanent judgment on our lives once the gavel comes down in God's court it's it's a done deal it's permanent see it's not just uh, for a season or for there's a case before God Shannon if you would do me a favor we need to turn that do you know how to handle that little pot there yeah push the button (laughs) turn it back little Shannon you want to go do it you need to turn it down to maybe 180 and give it a stir sorry about that sorry for anybody who's listening on the tape we're having chili it's cold up here in the D (laughs) but anyway uh, (laughs) now where was I somebody gotta keep up for me so um, yeah okay so so there's a a court of of law you know I mean it, this is a, the Bible really is a legal document as well and so in God's court there are charges being brought up before God all the time 
on all of us. Sinners. The wages of sin is death. So and everybody will be judged by God. You know new age people will tell you oh don't judge me God doesn't judge. Of course he does. It's a Sin is already judged. You got me? It's already been condemned for eternity. And so when we come before God's judgment seat there's always mercy there. See when we receive God's mercy then everything is seen through the eyes of the blood of Jesus and if we put our confidence in God by confessing our sins and telling God we don't want to have anything to do with this sin life anymore then the gavel comes down whack, and it's accounted to us as righteousness. So that one time prayer puts us in covenant with God. Now it's not a free ride by any means. But it puts us in covenant with God. And we have been judged righteous period. That one time. And so from then on it's up to us to maintain that righteousness through faith. Through continuing to trust God. To continuing to believe God. Continuing to put our confidence in God. That's how you maintain righteousness. There may be days where it will waver. You'll think to yourself boy uh, I had a really tough day. I've had a tough week. I've had you know whatever whatever. It doesn't seem like God's coming through for me. And so much has happened that is not pleasant to me. And, and where is God? And so that doubting will often come up inside of us. But you need to remind yourself I've been judged righteous. And I'm going to put that back on again. I'm going to put my confidence back in God through repentance and confessing sins. I'm not one of these people that thinks you confess sins too much. If that's true tell me why we got pastors of mega churches. You know uh, losing everything. Just for a back rub from a, a young man. You know this is, this is nonsense. So we have to understand that our, our covenant with God is maintained. Through our maintaining confidence in him. And, and the continuing in righteousness. So you continue in these things. Once you, if it's ever interrupted. You pick it back up and you continue in it. And, uh, and allow God to continue to work in your life. So we are justified by faith. Galatians 2.16 tells us that. And not by the works of the law. In fact I'll go there. In Galatians 2. is knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law so there's no disputing that anymore amen he said knowing this that a man is not justified by the works of the law but by faith by the faith of Jesus Christ now when you put your faith in Jesus Christ you receive the faith of Jesus Christ you got me you live in his faith by putting yours in him the lesser is always blessed by the better or the greater. So your little faith is absorbed by his. And what you come out of the deal with is his faith. Because yours can only get you into righteousness with him. But the real power 
and the abilities the motivation all of that stuff must come through his faith now so you live by the faith of the son of God which is greater I mean you know there's there's no shame here there's there's only glory here because you have traded in your weakness your inherent weakness for his strength and his power and so he says we're is not justified by the works of the law but by the faith of Jesus Christ even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law so you died with him in other words and now you're raised up in him to walk in him not in the flesh but to walk in him so this is why the enemy's always tempting us to get over in the flesh to pick up that old life again any kind of way he can with some people it's just pride you know i mean there's there are christians who live a pretty pretty sinless life you know taste not hand not handle not touch not type life you know where they don't give in but they're full of pride they don't want to listen to anybody they don't want to believe what anybody has to say they're argumentative all of these things so it's not just the works through the flesh but it's the work on the heart see this is where everybody uh, gets this is where the rubber meets the road so to speak this will tell on you in a minute whether you belong to Christ or not and that is whether your heart is given over to him and you have God's grace shed upon in your heart see the divine influence on the heart makes all the difference in the world so that little obedience we do you know well we don't go see bad movies we don't sin we don't fornicate we don't do this that and the other and we give our tithes and all of that yeah but it's you have you really let God influence your heart the way he wants to you got me then this this is the big teller you know this is this is what people who who study grace don't don't really understand too well is that God has to influence your heart in such a way that that transformation is there there's got to be a transformation you you can have faith in the finished work but if if there's no transformation there and see developing your faith is work you got to spend time with God you've got to study your word you've got to allow that word to change you you've got to set it it in your heart that you're going to obey the word of God all of those things must be done and so it's not just a confidence in in a one-time work of Calvary even though that's where it starts but then you're set on the road to being transformed in so many different ways that'll trump gifts of the spirit any day because when you allow the grace of God to change you on the inside that shed out to so many other people you know the bible says that the love of god is shed abroad in our hearts by the holy spirit see it's there's got to be an influence on the inside of you that flows out to the outside that, that it's like a river that people will swim in that and they'll be drawn to it and that you know that's really what this is about it's that changed life see I was reading um, uh, Mother Teresa's book on loving Jesus and you know there are times when I'll pick it up I picked it up over and over again over the years just to look at her testimony and it's nice because there's like a, a nice question and answer 
period in there where you know sometimes if you give people things to think about you can get a lot to flow out of them you know that maybe you wouldn't get it if they just wrote their testimony or gave it or or something but anyway it was very very interesting because she spoke so highly of everything that that she talked about I mean there wasn't a, a, a misgiving anywhere or a somebody did me wrong song or you know anything like that in in her in her mind she walked in such a liberty number one and a righteousness in God and a grace in God where he had totally converted her heart this woman uh, she was talking about the importance of the priesthood you know, and you know in the Catholic Church. Now we'll we'll correct her in a minute and say, Well, we're all priests, you know. Well, let me see your ministry. You got me? But you know, she was talking about how important the priests were in their in their religious life. Where people would kind of extol her and her work and it and it it's a great work. But she would draw in how important uh it was that other aspects of a catholic life be maintained you know or or their ways in god be maintained and she said that she was invited to um to open a home in uh, one of the muslim yemen i think it was in one of the muslim countries one that's you know dictatorship there's no stable government there but yet whoever was in power there had invited her to open a home a home for the the, the dying and the homeless and you know the work that she did and she said there had been no churches there christian churches catholic or anyway in over 600 years totally overrun with muslims but they asked her well, why do you think they asked her? They didn't ask Benny Hinn. Huh? They didn't ask Oral Roberts. They asked her. See, there's something about the divine influence on the heart where we're converted on the inside. And the influence that's shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, where the Holy Spirit can reach people, He can touch people, He can influence, and He can draw people in there with God's favor, with God's blessing, with whatever, whatever, whatever. And she told them that the the she would, but on the condition that they could build a church, that they could have priests, that they could have. She said because this. Our church and our priesthood is is vital to our existence as nuns. She said we need the priest there to to minister the sacraments. We need them to have regular services. We need the whole thing. You're not going to get us over there without our support system that we need. And this is how there's some of the countries that were totally shut down Muslim for centuries now have Christian churches there. It's because somebody in the grace of God, God's grace was shed out through that lady's heart. And it touched people that were very hardened. Now if the church had wanted to come in just to build a church they probably could not have done it. But somebody who's moving in that level of compassion in God who doesn't care uh, how poor the people are. They pick them up off the streets, the sick, the dying, the homeless, all of them, they provide a home for them. Somebody asked her where the support came from. She said it comes from everywhere. 
She said we never turn any support away. We don't care who they are. If they're Muslim, if they're Christian. He said, she said they don't have to have a religion. We allow everybody to give and support what we do. Now there's a graciousness there or a grace in God that gives her the wisdom to know how to receive from people. How many of us would be thinking twice and turning things away and not, well, I don't know, God wants me. But in confidence in God, she's put her total trust in God. And she's probably already prayed about these things and already gotten her confidence in God. God's probably assured her, I will send what you need. I will send. She said many times in their homes, they have more stuff than the government has. The government will come to them asking that they, God has made them bow their knee to her because of his influence on her heart. It's not gifts. It's not tongues. <laughs> Some of the doctrine isn't what we think is right. But still God has, has influenced her heart in that way. So what God does on the inside of us through grace is phenomenal. That's the that's the whole thing right there. That's how you know Christianity and know Christians. Because of what God did. The inner workings and the Christ likeness that comes through us. Because of his grace influencing us on the inside. Rearranging us on the inside. So in order though for us to develop we have to spend time with the word. In the word. Time in prayer. Time with God. So that the engrafting of the word is really what determines where our faith and trust are placed. Some people cannot trust God for healing because they have not spent time getting to know God as healer. See it's not so much reading your Bible now but it's with God as healer. You see him telling you that he's the healer reassuring you. That you're going to be okay coming out of this. You know seeing yourself coming out the right way. And and I think those things are, are very very important. Uh, to have that time in the presence of God. Not just going through a lot of details of reading scriptures and all of this. Even though that's very important. You can't let the world's ideas press in on you and take God's word away from you. But you've got to understand that God, this is a living relationship, a vital relationship with God. Whereas this word becomes alive and then God becomes alive to you in that he makes himself known as that that you're looking for in that situation. And and so the, the difference is very distinct. Legalism will tell us if we spend so many hours doing this or so many times doing that we'll be okay and and that'll get on anybody but grace tells us that God has shed this has freely given this to us there's no time limit or penalty or or anything taken away from us for for not enough time I'm thinking about people who will you'll tell people to listen to a tape until they're healed how long do I have to see that legalism plays into everybody's mind they they want to put a limit on it they want to know how long whatever whatever it could be the first time they listen to it if they open their hearts up to God and, and he in that work can convert their souls in such a way that they'll be able to receive what God has for us so we are justified by faith and that allows 
the divine influence on our heart to be strengthened not by the works of the law so you can't take this outside of God's spirit and work it it has to be done within the context of the spirit of God and the word of God so Abraham we said received grace from God by his faith which God accounted to him as righteousness so at this point there's nothing in Abraham's account except righteousness isn't that nice all our sins have been forgiven trespasses he remembers no more we're righteous and that's the end of the story amen so this judgment in our favor enables us to get past the obstacles that the enemy has placed in our path so where they would have hindered you before without God now that he calls you righteous that you know you just plow right through you just sail right through you kick them out of the way you have authority over them you bypass them whatever is necessary they all fall under the authority of God's grace so he has graced us or enabled us to pursue success in life and that's what Abram began to do he obeyed God and he followed God and along the way there were certain things that he needed in his life and he always succeeded at it always succeeded at it the end result is to always succeed so righteousness then is the guarantee of success Mm-hmm. is the guarantee of success righteousness and holiness are synonymous holiness means there's no judgment against you God's not holding anything against you and the green light of grace is, is there for you to just go forward and be enabled to to uh, accomplish what's in your heart to do what's what's God telling you he wants you to do or what was it that's been in your heart since you were a kid that you want to pursue God will even honor some of those things and so it's good to know that that his grace enables you now to see those things as possible so really the divine influence on your heart gives you the vision of God in things see Todd uh, White was was uh, talking about that you know God let me see people like you see them see the grace comes first that's that's a grace endowment in his life it's not the anointing the anointing is what gets the people healed or moves him to preach the gospel whatever you have to have the grace to even enter into that arena before you can get in there and do anything you see God has divinely positioned you you have to divinely see things the way God sees them that's the divine influence on the heart in other words his heart is now God's heart so he's not seeing people as a human being anymore he's seeing them through the eyes of Christ he goes through life observing as Christ observed see these things are important for us to understand how how you position yourself as he people see him he just goes up to anybody and asks them he gets a word of knowledge about him or anything like that how do you position yourself to do that and he gives you the answer he puts himself in Christ through the grace of God see that's enabled him to see the way God sees people to understand people the way God understands them and to go boldly and confidently through life 
alleviating human suffering the way Jesus would. So when you're in Christ you're able to carry out everything that Christ would do in that situation. But it's not all a power thing. It's a position thing. You position yourself accurately so that you feel the way God feels and you see the way God sees. And you, you have to get yourself into that mode. You know, <clears throat> I was was mentioning that to someone. I forgot who it was, but I was uh, with some some people. We uh, I was about to, we're switching drivers in Toledo. We're in the parking lot. And just to show you how God graces you to be able to to see as he sees. There was a, the two people who were exchanging were, you know, chatting with each other and you know fellowshipping and all that kind of stuff which there's a grace there to be able to share with one another as Christians you know you can get in the flesh and don't want to speak to each other you can remember the last time you were around them they treated you funny (laughs) but they were there was a level of grace there that allowed them to be able to fellowship and etc etc I noticed though because there was the ministry van with the lettering on it there was a woman there too was looking at it and so grace allowed me to be able to be moved to be see what she sees you see focus on her and what she was interested in etc etc so here's one grace for a fellowship here and there's a grace for a fellowship over here which we are all subject to be able to pick up on if we desire you see what I'm saying and so what happened was I wound up speaking to the woman answering her questions etc etc and I asked the two people I said didn't you see this lady over here looking at the van see you got to expand your ability to pick up on what God's what's important to him see we're all saying we want to witness we all saying we want to draw people to God but are you really focused in the way God wants you to be focused in so that you can pick up on these things when it's there and I'm telling you there's a divine enablement in your heart that changes your perspective it changes the way you look at things and it looks at things in a different perspective than God does I mean than than you would as a, a normal human being suppose Jesus had allowed the disciples to just fellowship with one another all the time they wouldn't have turned the world upside down they wouldn't have been trained they wouldn't have been able to do any of those things and so there is a grace enablement for certain level of things and then there's more to come where grace abounds to us and he gives us grace for grace so what you need to do is trade in the normal fellowship with the saints grace for the grace to minister out when that's that comes upon you so there are certain people that I know in the ministry that, that that's on all the time you understand what I'm saying I can I can know that they're on if somebody say if we go out for lunch or something like that and and they'll come up to me and say well this lady knows us from there you know they're 
God's influenced their heart in such a way that they're they're able to perceive that through God. God saying, "Now well, look, here's somebody that needs something. These people are in already. They're taken care of. I'm expanding your vision outward so that you can pull more in." And that's how that happens. And so that too is a grace in God. So you can expect grace to be multiplied to you. Just like the word said grace and peace be multiplied unto you. So that you can have more abounding towards you so you can do more. See Mother Teresa started just like we all did. But she got grace for grace. She wasn't satisfied. There was a hunger in her to be more like Christ in the way she perceived people. In the way she looked at people. When they they would see homeless and, and sick people and dying people on the street. So many people walked past them. Stiffened, cold, hardened. She looked at them in a different way. This is how God influences your heart. This is the divine influence on the heart which is grace. That enables you to see the way God sees. And I'm telling you that's priceless. That commodity right there. Because if you if you can see things the way God sees them. There's no doubt in my mind whatsoever that he will empower you to be able to do something to fix that. See, you'll be able to do something to fix whatever it is that you see that's wrong in humanity. So many times we see people doing the what we look look like the the real important or standout things in God, and we don't understand how those things happen. We really don't. We're we're dumbfounded as to how somebody can get a word of knowledge about everybody around them and their ailments and then be empowered to fix them. And I'm telling you it starts. He told the whole story right there. God let me see. I don't want to see like I see. Which means I see broken people but I don't care most of the time. I want to see like you see. To care and also be empowered to do something about it. These things are very important. It's important that we get the horse first and then the cart behind him instead of the other way around. Because we'll never get a go if we don't have these things lined up properly. So Abraham received grace from God to go about living his life in a successful fashion. That's that's one one uh, aspect of his grace is the success that it brings, or the manifestation of his word in your life is the result of his grace. So we can pursue pursue success. Abraham was enabled when he went down to Egypt to sojourn. You all remember that. There was a famine where he was. God had told him to go to a place and he would tell him where. You got me? Just keep going and, and you know I'll tell you what to do as you go. And that's so typical of the way we live in God. You know just keep going and when you get there I'll tell you what to do when you get there. I'm not going to tell you anything but I'll tell you one thing. I will make your descendants increase. So there was a motivation there. There was a a promise there. There was something that he knew was dear to Abraham's heart and this motivated Abram to get up and follow God. Well when he got to Egypt 
it didn't turn out the way he wanted it to turn out. How many of you been there? Following the God the best way you can and it does not turn out the way you want it to turn out. That doesn't mean that Abram should not have gone down to Egypt. God never said don't go anywhere. But he told him to go and be led as best you can. And so Abram goes down there and God permitted him to go. Even though God knew it wasn't going to turn out well for him there. But we don't know if any other place he went would have been great either. If he would stayed where he was. I mean it's just common sense. If you, if it's, there's no food there you go where you hear there's food. And so, <laughs> so that's, where, that's where Abram was. <laughs> so God's, God's grace. <laughs> yeah we got chilly. God's grace permitted him to go. Even though it was going to be a difficult situation. Now where Abram stepped away from the grace of God was his plan for how to make it down there. See sometimes you can make a decision that's not such a bad one. But if you step too far out of the grace of God and and don't allow God to really lead and direct you. Direct your words and give you confidence and all that kind of thing. It will backfire on you. And so... Abram wound up uh, pretty much giving his wife over into Pharaoh's household, which would have made her. And God had God was in charge of Sarah's fertility, and there would have been a chance that she could have conceived outside of God's plan, and so that's why God cursed Pharaoh's household for her sake. Nobody was able to have sex with anybody in Pharaoh's household as long as Sarah was around. Did you know that? So all the men were rendered impotent. And they knew something was wrong. God spoke to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh asked Abram, why didn't you tell me this woman was your wife? Get her out of here. You know. And so God then was able to correct Abram. And Abram again received the grace of God and went on his way. It didn't stop because he made a mistake. It didn't stop because he almost got into sin. It didn't stop. It was as soon as it was acknowledged by him as wrong. This is what we've got to understand. You cannot receive empowerment from God to go do something stupid again a second time. You got me? That's not how this covenant works. This covenant corrects your steps to help you to live a better life. It's not to make you feel bad because you did something wrong. It's so that you can walk in knowledge and wisdom and do a better job the next time. Who wants to keep doing the same thing over and over again? You got me? And so, and it, it seems that it was a common thing in that culture because then Abram's son winds up doing the same thing in the next generation. And so, here's the world pressing in on somebody who's attempting to obey God as best he can, is following God the best way he can. And as he, uh, Abram sees, that God then is able to get him out of this trouble. You know, nobody got him out but God. You know, he'd have been killed and Sarah too if, if Pharaoh had so ordered it. But Pharaoh recognized his God and relented and allowed them to go. 
And as they went, he tried to make restitution for the fact that he had sinned. Pharaoh did. He made restitution to Abram in giving him cattle, giving him horses, giving him all these things as he departed from Egypt. God's blessing is still on your life no matter what mistakes you make. Other than that we'd be being penalized for our sins. There's no penalty but don't be stupid and be careless in the way that you respond. Now see knowing that God would still bless you to me would make me want to tighten up. I say oh you know what this is a good God. I, I can trust him. I'm going to straighten this up man. This, this cost me X number of years thinking this way. And so I'm going to get this thinking corrected about God so that I can go go further the next time. I can go get my blessing directly without going through the difficulty and so forth. So God corrected him and there uh, and there again he enabled him to return to his sojourn in the will of God when he returned to make his way toward Canaan. He was enabled to farm to herd and to defend his property all under God's direction so then the grace of God enabled him to be a successful businessman herdsman farmer and to defend his land under God's direction so the grace of God then increases you see an increase in Abram's life he's not just running around there with Lot and a few items now he's very rich as the Bible says in Genesis um, let me see didn't take long <laughs> in Genesis 13 verse 2 and this is right after he comes out of Egypt it says Abram was very rich in cattle and silver and in gold so those blessings had been laid up for him by God all along the fact that he stepped out of the will of God made an error in judgment and in his behavior did not diminish the reward it just delayed his receiving of it you got me but that was laid up for him anyhow if it hadn't come through Pharaoh it would have come through somebody else wherever he was at that season in his life he was going to receive those riches from God and so he went on to his journey one of the things that we see about Abram is he is a worshiper of God see building those altars there there I counted at least four places and there are others I'm talking about four places until the birth of Isaac that Abram built altars to God in Genesis 12 8 that was his first altar that he built there it was when he first came out of Ur of the Chaldees in Genesis 12:8, he removed from thence unto the mountain on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he builded an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. So that's putting his confidence, his faith, and his trust in God. Hmm? That's solidifying it. So whenever you build an altar, that is more or less a permanent. You've made a permanent commitment to that God. You're not just trying him out. So Abraham is trusting God. And that is is manifesting itself in grace in God. To be everything that God's called him to be. 
As long as he keeps this altar business and worship calling on God he's good. In Genesis 13.4 there's another instance of him building an altar to the Lord. He goes back, went on his journeys from south even to Bethel, the place where his tent had been in the beginning. And he into the place of the altar that he had made. So he goes right back to the place to worship God again. He keeps this living contact with the living God. So that trust in him means that he's willing to lean to God's understanding, not to his own. And then he receives grace that enables him to do mighty things. Abraham never failed at anything he set his hand to. Never. God even made good on some of his mistakes that he had done. And so he (coughs) makes his way there. Was that 13.4 and 13.8 as well. He makes his... Uh, and and fourteen twenty that was one fourteen twenty is where he builds another altar to the Lord. Mm-hmm. Melchizedek, then God God then brings a high priest into Abram's life, so he's able then to be validated in his worship of God by someone else, and this is very important. So God is beginning to draw. Abraham into a community so to speak of worshipers he's making contact now with others who worship the same God and so he gets his his um, relationship with God strengthened through the blessing of Melchizedek Melchizedek is is a type of Christ you see he's uh, a different type of a priest without beginning without end um, Abraham gave tithes of everything that he had gotten in that war that he had just accomplished. God graced him to be able to win that war and to to rescue Lot and to come out of that with with uh, increase. And the work of his hands begins to increase as well. So now he's receiving grace for grace. He's being empowered greatly by God. To do things with his own hands so that uh, good can come to pass at his own hand. And that's something that, that believers need to understand because many times we're, th- we're kind of at a standstill understanding how to get what we need from God and so there's an enablement where there is a work of our hands and having done all to stand you know that kind of thing but then there's a place where everything that we need to do is done and then we need the grace to patiently wait for what God has to release to us or the next step that he wants us to accomplish and so there's always more to receive from God his influence on our heart will help us to be able to expect more, to be able to receive new instruction from him, be able to count certain things as done and accomplished, and uh, and enable us to be on target 
with God. You know, it's it's just a, a way of keeping us centered in hope and confidence and trust and faith. So we're not disturbed. We're composed in, in what we have. And we're not complacent because we're expecting greater things. But we do have a composure that keeps us from wavering, from getting upset, from getting excited, from, you know, veering off the, the beaten path. And so God enables Abram to live this life of expecting God to do great things for him. Abram comes to a place in his life where he makes another mistake in assuming that God wants his blessing to come one way under his own authority. When you live a life like he lived, he's a powerful man by this time. He's a very rich man. He's a man who doesn't have to look to other men for anything. When the kings wanted to repay him and all of this kind of stuff, the king of Sodom wanted to give him something. Uh, he said it won't take a shoe latchet from from them. But you know, if he wanted to feed the men who had helped him work, that would be fine. But he totally depended on God. This is this is something that's not heard of, folks. This is something you get from having that face-to-face with God where you know what you can depend on him for. You don't care about anything else. All you care about is keeping that relationship with God as strong as you can. This is This is how Abram lived. And so he gets to a place, though, where in his understanding of life and how God empowers him he gets impatient for God to bring him a son and this causes another veering off of the path of righteousness you know this is uh, something that's not right it's not right in God's eyes but because there was no law we're not sure if Abram really understands how wrong it is and that is the the uh, birth of Ishmael conceiving Ishmael through the handmaid see because there's no the Bible says where there's no law there's no transgression you got me but God writes his law on our hearts in Romans it says that the the person who is apart from God makes a law to himself because his conscience tells him these things are wrong see and so there is a place where you can violate your own conscience by doing certain things but Abram because he's getting up in age and he knows Sarah has never been able to conceive they take a chance between the two of them they decide that perhaps the maid is the one who will bring them children because they see that all around them there's people that you know there's there are men that have uh, a wife and have concubines and have maid servants in the home and they're all bearing children for them because survival was tough in those days many of the children were uh, died in birth and and before they got to be a year old and so uh, the more you brought in hopefully the the more help you had and the stronger your name would be and the stronger your clan would be and so Abram and Sarah have seemed to have resisted this idea for a long time but then the older they get the more it seems like they're not going to be able to conceive on their own and so they come up with this idea and Ishmael is born well God then uh, enables Abraham to not only turn from that relationship 
and taking joy in that but also to have his own son at an old age and take remove Ishmael from his life takes grace Amen. you gotta have grace to obey God folks you are graced to be able to remove things from your life that maybe your flesh loves but you're not supposed to have them Amen. huh that's the divine influence on your heart where God talks to you he convinces you this is not right for you I don't care how many times you think it's going to work out okay or it's not that bad or you say it's not that bad this is not the path that I have chosen for you and then he enables you in a great way to overcome it where your flesh has been weak to it before it's just just that that's just the way it is he does it with people all the time there are people who have bad tempers that want to fly off at the handle all the time they seem oh i don't know i just you know i don't mean anything and all this kind of stuff well there is a place where you're supposed to be a peaceful person and god will enable you to do that but he's got to get you to the point where you can say goodbye to that and leave it behind and then pick up the strength that he has pick up your identity in him in such a way that you can walk in a new way see these are all these all these things are done by the grace of God changes you on the inside you, you'll change you'll, you'll be transformed see you can memorize scripture all you want to and you can worship God 24 7 but if you don't allow that influence to come on the inside of you and really do a work in you and you can say goodbye to the old stuff and embrace the new it means nothing absolutely nothing and it's such a rare thing sometimes that we almost make uh, a god out of people who are are able to walk in a different way in the world you know just, just forget about the world's goods forget about what the world has to offer turn your face away from that and go on in the direction God has for you we, we, we see it as a rare thing but God wants it to be an everyday thing a common thing for his people that we seek to be transformed that we seek to walk further away from the old life if Abram hadn't been able to do these things we wouldn't be able to do them either but we see him getting mature in God we don't see him making the same mistakes over and over again you know he may have but it's not recorded and he wasn't he did really just had a covenant that, that God made with him as God was showing him who he was and so we can see the same thing for us because the Bible says that those who are of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham we have the same faith that he has but we also have to understand the same challenges he had challenges and we will have them too and the question is can we allow God to change us so that we can come into a place where we are are enabled in a real way to do everything God wants us to do and so Abraham allowed God to put him through these kinds of difficulties and these kind of changes so uh, when he conceived Ishmael he went against the will of God but then when he acknowledged that grace began to abound toward him again see because God then told him that he would give him a son and he explained to him how this would happen 
up until that time God had not specifically told Abram that we know of that Sarah would be the mother of that child but we can assume that since he was her she was his wife he would think you know and it was only with her permission that they came up with the little hatched up idea about the the maid and so when we get an understanding of how these people lived we'll see God's grace multiplying toward Abram in such a way that Abram is able to withstand the broken heartedness of leaving a son that he had been the father of for 12 years and he didn't do it in some kind of rejection or that ain't mine that baby daddy you know that kind of stuff you better take me to court if you want some money that kind of thing it was something that God in God's grace enabled him to walk away from that which God had not promised it's extraordinary folks usually with most of us faith works one way we can believe God for this 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 and keep on believing the same way over and over and over again but we can never back it up and re- re- believe the the reverse so that we can get a higher blessing in God we, we don't somehow know how to let grace abound toward us so that we can increase and increase all the more and so God's wisdom sometimes will have to come in there and show us that you're in a place now where this is not what I promised you I have something better for you are you going to let this go so that I can give you what I planned for you and this won't be the last time he comes to Abram with this kind of a deal he's going to come to him again with the same kind of thing you know when people think sometimes well I went through that test already I don't have to I have to go through oh no you're never guaranteed an easy ride in God but you are guaranteed the grace to sustain you through it so that you don't have a bad attitude with God about it you don't feel like you got robbed because you had to let go of something you know total and total confidence that God is is your source you trust him all the more and that's what this this life is all about it's about trusting God all the more so why don't we stop father in heaven we thank you for giving us the ability to understand who we are and how great it is to trust you how great it is to have confidence in you how great it is to be blessed of you and to be a blessing Father I thank you we don't we aren't blessed for no reason but we are blessed in order that we would be a blessing and we thank you Lord for blessing us helping us and keeping us in Jesus name amen praise God if anybody needs prayer come on up and I'll pray for you praise the Lord